Okay, so Fernando is faster than you. Can well, you confirm you understood that message? There are fewer than 30 men in the world qualified to drive Formula One. A mere half dozen, perhaps, to win. At this moment, I'm inclined to think you are not one of them. Welcome to F1Weekly.com. My name is Clark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. I'll be joined by Nasser Hamid, my co-host. This is podcast number 982, March 6th, 2023, Nasser. Gracias, amigo. I say Dios mios. Bad from hell, let loose in Bahrain, but the Dutch master continues his reign. And for the host, I have bad news and pain. We shall explain muy gladly. Back to you, Mr. Smiley, since Sunday. Thank you, Nasser. On today's program, Fernando el mas macho del mundo. He is the best driver ever. Come on, man! Red Bull, completely dominant, even more than last year. Toto admits that they need to copy the other guys. And what's up with Ocon Penalty Marathon? Boy, that was insanity. And this week's interview, so special, is Lockie Hughes from Down Under. And he is driving in the United States Formula 2000 series. And, of course, NAS will have all the info on that. And, of course, I have to remind everyone that we need your contributions. Keep this program on the air. Just click on the Support F1 Weekly tab right on the front page, left side. You know you'll want to. NAS, welcome to my world, the machismo world. Yes, sir. Absolutely fantastical performance. I watched the race totally muted because I was sitting in the media center of the IndyCar Grand Prix here in St. Petersburg, and I was loving every second of it. And you know, Mr. Rogers, a friend of mine used to say what you have been saying about the lucky driver, that winning in the best car is great, but winning in a car that has no business winning is magic. And what a magical night we had in Bahrain. As you know, nothing galvanizes me like a young talent exploding in Formula One, as was the case with Max coming into the top tier of racing after only one season in Formula Three. Before that, we had the super uber dramatic debut in 1991 at Spa for Michael Schumacher. And we can even go to a rainy race at the Nürburgring back in 1983, featuring star-studded Grand Prix drivers driving identical Mercedes sedans. 
but the winner was a complete unknown in Formula 1 at that time who would go on to be the one to watch all along the watchtower. Wearing a yellow helmet. These performances, Mr. Rogers, are pure dynamite and cannot be forgotten by diehard fans of motor racing. For me, it was like watching lap after lap of the 2005 San Marino Grand Prix at Imola when a young whippersnapper held off legend of all times to win the race. And I remember this race so distinctly because it, the 2005 San Marino Grand Prix was not shown live in the U.S., so I was following it on the F1 website, text messaging style. Last Sunday, Machismo did not win the race, but Ombre proved the point that this old dog still has a lot of bite in him. Yes, his bark has been worse than his bite a few times in the past, but performance on Sunday will be talk of town in future, just like people talk to this day about Nürburgring 1957 and Donington 1993. And as you can t testify here on the air, you and I were chatting, texting each other during that race because I just could not contain my excitement. But sir, here is the bad news. I think you are no longer his numero uno fan. Moa is now his biggest machismo admirer. And I'm telling you, man, I am so happy that I'm going to stay super happy till the next race because you do not see these. This is what I live for. These performances do not come on. I mean, for Max to win in a Red Bull, what do you expect? Best car, best driver. Lewis doing all the winning, best car, best driver. You know, but this was super in-flight burrito served in the first class of a Boeing 747 long-haul carrier. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I do know what you was talking about. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, if, for a moment at the beginning, you know, and then when when Lance hit Fernando, I'm going, oh, here we go again. You know, I'm thinking, mamma mia, when is it going to stop? Uh, and then, uh, you know, the, the race continued. And for a little while, you know, I expected Max to do what he did. All of that was fine. But it, it became a little professional, you know, and I was going, well, maybe I'll get a little more coffee. But then... Once the Fernando show begun, I mean, it was out of control. I mean, I, you know, I had to watch the ticker. I had to take a little nitroglycerin just to keep the ticker down. Oh, my God, it could have been, it could have been all over for me. But no, it was awesome. I mean, this is what, I've been waiting for this for how long? Ladies and gentlemen, we are back in town. Boys are back in town. exciting i mean it just took a little while it took a few teams you know there's a lot of negotiation going on in these things these days but you know yeah and you got to give it to ed machismo i mean he he took a bet on this team last year and left and there was a big commotion and everybody was going oh piastri baby you're more important but oh no you're gone and you know we had all that distraction but in the end this was the machismo move of the century oh absolutely i loved every second of his racing against his old friend lewis hamilton 
and then hunting down his own compadre, Carlos Sainz Jr., to get on the podium. Man, absolute incredible performance by an absolute incredible racing talent of all time. And I'm going to tell you something. Before the season started, and, you know, we I mentioned this on the podcast, when I first saw his face in, in a green dress, um, he looked so slim and so fresh. And I said, man, this guy means business. Somebody better give him tools of the trade and it was just you know every podcast every racing show about the race it's all about machismo as mr morrison would say he's a dog without a bone a killer on the road as far as i'm concerned he is now the ultimate rider on the storm who just won't calm down you know you know another thing is this guy is in his 40s 41 years old and in a in 40s, he is doing what Senna and Schumacher did in their 20s, Monte Carlo 1984 and Spa 1991, respectively. And the Aubrey himself said, and let me quote him, I'm still in a dream. It is too good to be true, end quote. And when he comes out of that dream and also his team, they will realize the racing reality. He was still 40 seconds behind race winner, which is no reflection on him or the car, but of course, how dominating the Red Bull package is. So this was absolutely marvelous. I think I remember, you know, when we did the interview with Matt Bishop many years ago, he said about the Donington Grand Prix. Okay, he said he the next day he could not get any work done because people kept calling him one after the other. Man, did you watch the race? Uh, what do you think about that performance? And this is the same here. Everybody is talking about machismo. Big opportunity now for Fernando Alonso and George Russell knows it. He goes defensive to turn number one, parks it up and Alonso will get another dose of DRS. He takes a different line, soaring left, soaring right. They're climbing the hill now and Alonso knows he's got to get the move done. Russell's run out of tyres. Aston Martin versus Mercedes and through goes Fernando Alonso to take fifth place. Now, like he said, he don't know if this was just track specific and i'm sure there will be tracks where this car may not be very competitive but as long as they give him smell of blood of success or podium this guy is pouncing like a very hungry stray cat straight from downtown chicago again that wide 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 line just soaring the Mercedes in half. Better traction. Millimeters between the pair of them as they go side by side. He's not going to try around the outside, oh. but he is going to try the inside of turn 10. What a superb move from Fernando Alonso. Absolutely brilliant. And I think that was just absolute top shelf from Fernando Alonso. Yes, let's go. No question in my mind about that. And, you know, I was thinking, I was... I was just, uh, I was going totally, you know, gaga about this performance. And I was thinking, you know, Red Bull has been running a junior program for many years. Maybe Dr. Marco should start a Red Bull senior program and bring in Machismo as teammate to Max and then see how Spanish Luke will create chaos. And, and then I would like to get uh, Mr. Horner's uh, view on how the things are in his team. What say you? Oh, my goodness. What a pot of stew that would be. And to be honest with you, I think Max has a lot of respect for El Machismo. And I think he would relish the thought of him 
doing some laps against Fernando in the same car for money. No, I mean, Fernando, and let's not forget, now there's some rumors that Toto believed that Aston Martin is copying Red Bull, and if that's the case, Fernando is getting acquainted with the Red Bull, and if we put him in the real McCoy up against El Machismo on the other side, I'm telling you, that, and that's the excitement we all fantasize about. I mean, it's natural. But no, I'm, I mean, Aston Martin's stock went up in value, like by 300 million pounds sterling. So it's amazing, and he's probably going to get a raise. You know, they asked Christian Horner about Alonso's performance, and his response was, Nice to see an old Red Bull driver also on the podium because that car is, he's claiming is like, uh, well, not too long ago it was known as the pink Mercedes, now it's the green Red Bull. But you got to do what you got to do in this cutthroat uh, environment, you know. And that is what Toto is beginning to swallow. As he looks up and down the paddock, he notices, and everybody's got good engineers, everybody's using comp computational fluid dynamics software. So usually there are similarities for sure, but nobody, nobody has zero side pods, only Mercedes. And, you know, that's a little hint. And not only that, but it doesn't look good. Even Martin Brundle stood next to the car during the pre-grid and he looked at it and he said, you know what? It doesn't look right. It doesn't flow. It doesn't look fast. And, and there's your answer. If it looks good, it is good. That's the tradition. Okay, so now let's take a quick look at the collie, shall we? Indeed. Okay, after the Alan Greenspan moment of irrational exuberance in preseason testing and FP3, normal service restored by the Red Bull Brigade, Max on pole and with teammate Mini Metador on road two. Behind the two Red Bulls, the two Red Cars, then all hombre of the new season, Machismo de Viva España. Even the qualifying was very, very impressive. You know, Aston Martin ahead of engine supplier. Only Machismo can deliver that, so that's good for him. And Alonso gets a little bit of slipstream, and he's making the move. Sainz is nearly driving him off the road, but Fernando Alonso is onto the podium once again in Formula One. What a debut he is having with Aston Martin. George Russell outpacing teammate LCH is no surprise by now. Nico Hulkenberg upon return doing to KMAG what the Dane did to make Schumacher last year. I certainly hope one day Nico gets into competitive cars so he can get on the podium. And Machismo is proving age is no problem, so we may see uh, Nico Holkenberg in racing for another 10 years. And sir, for American racing fan, American Florida Fresh Logan Sargent qualified for his F1 debut on row 8 alongside teammate Alex Albon. So that was very, very impressive, I have to say. Okay. As far as the race is concerned, the start, do you have anything to say about the start? Max jumping and uh, getting the lead? <laughs> and Formula One in 2023 is go! Paul gets away for Sergio Perez, great launch off the line from Charles Leclerc in the V2! 
very nearly making contact into turn number one. Verstappen leads. Leclerc is up to second place. Sainz is going to battle with Sergio Perez. Perez did not get a good launch off the line as they all battle through the opening corners. It's Verstappen. Then it's Leclerc. Down a place goes Sergio Perez. They're fighting in the background now. The soft tyre works. That's an ambitious move to the inside. That's a way through. Lewis Hamilton getting past. Contact between the Astons. And, the, and that was very, very, very tight. So three goes George Russell trying to follow his teammate through. Alonso losing a couple of places. It's Verstappen, then Leclerc. Perez signs up two places, goes Lewis Hamilton. Russell in sixth, and Alonso did not get the opening lap that he was looking for. Terrible start for Checo. He knew he had a bad start. He knew and said in the interview that it cost him the race. And I sort of agree with that. And that threw him off balance. And Max had a great start. Leclerc had an even better start than Max in terms of milliseconds and off the line. I wish I had looked at the back of the grid to see Ocon apparently not in position. That was penalty number one, I think, that came about maybe 20 laps into the race. All of a sudden, they're babbling about some weird infringement. Anyway, Ocon had so much bad karma, it was ridiculous. But the the start was great, except for when Lance hit Fernando. Then I'm just going, oh my God, we got Perez, Fernando just lost two spots. I thought the whole thing was going to turn into a big disaster, and my fantasies would not come true. You know, before the race, I was watching these different Formula One TV and different pundits, you know, pre-race show. And everybody's prediction basically included two things, Max winning the race and Alonso on the podium. And I'm thinking, you know, Alonso can be on the podium if there are some, you know, Cablamos. The guy has a competitive car, but I had no idea this guy was going to put in the performance he did. And Max, of course, he did a Dyson on the competition, clean sweep. And I think this may continue um, all season long. Red Bull has all the ingredients. They have a very effective Japanese walk and a Michelin five-star Dutch chef. Sorry, Pirelli. He's got the winning recipe and more herbs and spices than Colonel Sanders to make Formula One finger licking good. I am just loving it. Now on lap 41, whoa, surprise, surprise. We had the first serving of spaghetti culture of the season. Oscar Piastri is the only retirement from the Grand Prix so far. No. But as I complete that sentence, Charles Leclerc is coming to a stop. No, 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 come on. What happened, guys? No power. Charles Leclerc retires from the opening Grand Prix of the year. Two retirements now. Ferrari's reliability problems strike once again. And it's not the start the Monagas driver wanted. It's not the start that Fred Rasser wanted. And it now means that Sainz and Alonso will scrap over the final podium place. As Leclerc came to a stop with some technical issues. Soon we will find out if it was engine, electronics or Mali pistons. But his teammate, Carlos Sainz Jr., salvaged some points by finishing fourth. Now, here was my favorite part of the race. When Fernando Alonso passed Carlos Sainz, he said, bye-bye. 
With the demise of Charles Leclerc, Fernando Alonso's maximum, he knew at the start of the day, was going to be a place on the podium. When his teammate hit him at this corner, he would have thought that it was falling away from him. But what sort of traction has he got now? Oh, he's Contact. getting into the back of his rival as they go down the hill. And Alonso had such better traction that he nearly creeped right into the back of Carlos Sainz. I tell you, we not only learned it's a fast car, we've learned it's a strong car because we had uh, his teammate whack him as he... Is he going to do the same as he did to Hamilton? Is he going to go to the outside, to the inside? Dare he try it again? Oh, and Sainz was wise to it. But the lockup is going to mean that they're basically parked up as they apply the power now. And Alonso gets a little bit of slipstream and he's making the move. Sainz is nearly driving him off the road. But Fernando Alonso is onto the podium once again in Formula One. What a debut he is having with Aston Martin. Yes. Bye-bye. Yes, that was beautiful. Bye-bye. I mean, that bye-bye is... Uh, his top thing is, of course, karma. And uh, I think bye-bye would be next. Yeah, interesting. Very nice, uh, the way he's going. And so now we come to... Save by Zero was a big hit for the fix, but the Zero Side Pod concept needs a serious fix. Bossman Toto has finally come out and said, and I quote, I don't know what is going on to happen this year. We may find a silver bullet next week and unlock five tens in the car, but I haven't seen any silver bullets before, end quote. Well, he could have hired Machismo to get six tenths, but that's another story. And I think uh, Mr. Rogers, a change is going to come. He wants his army of engineers to go back to the drawing board and come up with a solution that will not see the fastest Mercedes still over half a second off the pace of cars that don't have a star, but definitely have star driver and then some. I was watching uh, one of these, you know, all these guys, uh, enthusiasts, put their thing on YouTube. And he was saying that uh, they have already made a decision to ditch the zero concept side part. We'll see. And I have a feeling if they don't pick up the pace and continue with this zero side part, then heads will roll in Brackley. Just after one race, George Russell has already declared Red Bull will have Don Shula style immaculate season in 2023. And that's quite a touchdown from the man who is supposed to be numero uno in a team with a seven-time world champion. Now, fastest lap, this was very interesting. I, I don't know if it's the very first uh, fastest lap by a Chinese driver, Guan Yu Zhou, uh, driving for Alfa Romeo, teammate of Mr. Botas, on lap 56, set the fastest lap of 133.996. And interestingly, the fastest lap of the race winner was recorded on lap 44. Hmm. Number of Lewis's car. Uh, he, his time was 136.236, which was sixth fastest of the race. Uh, do you see anybody derailing Max this season? Not a chance. Not a chance. It looks reliable. It's extremely fast. And not only that, Max brings in another 510. So... He he will be unbelievable, but I I want to see him fight a little bit. So let's hope Fernando 
can uh, throw in another six tenths. And uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, we've got some great races coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, Mercedes will find pace. They'll change through side pods. I heard J-Lo has already posed for the side pods to make sure that they're in the correct symmetrical form. No, it's going to happen. They'll be fast. I'm sure of it. They're going to put the side pods on and all of a sudden, whammo! And, and of course, Lewis Hamilton will start giggling. He'll be happy and not talking about supporting his brothers and sisters at the factory. Yeah, you know, I'm listening to him and Toto looks like I'm sure some people in the engineering department probably convinced Toto and senior management, uh, you know, we won a race last year, let's keep going. And like it was mentioned by somebody, they are now falling behind Aston Martin, a team using their own engines. So I think um, this uh, zero sight concept will be gone pretty soon. I don't know how long will it take for them to come out with a side pod. I want to tell you the air intake side pod, whatever you want to call it, on the Ferrari. That is just so beautiful. So they need to do something like that and then get the 610 and then we can... We definitely need some competition for Max for good racing. And I am also waiting. Sooner or later, I think it will happen uh, between two Red Bull drivers, what happened in Azerbaijan or Turkey. And you know, no matter who's at fault, Max is going to be innocent. But you're right. They do need to watch out for the Red Bulls crashing because we know Checo, he's Latino. Let me put it this way. They don't neuter their dogs. These guys are machismo, and he wants to win a Grand Prix. Not only that, but he wants to win the championship against Max. It's not going to happen, but those are his goals. And it could get testy. The problem is, Checo also knows that there's an Australian dude with a big smile just waiting for the explosion to happen so he can come in and say, Howdy, I'm ready to drive again. So, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. I think Ricciardo keeps Perez checked. Yes, and I think that, uh, you know, sometimes you have rain, sometimes this and that, other issues come up. Uh, somebody is lucky, somebody gets the lucky dog in a race. But I'm, I'm getting this vibe that Machismo might win a race this year before a Mercedes driver. What say you? Oh, absolutely. Not only is Machismo going to win a race, but he's going to do it in one of those sensational drives that's going to blow. This is his year. This is the beginning of the book. Everything. How I did it, even when I was old. It's unbelievable. It's just a great story. And it's going to make people think about themselves. And of course, he's going to talk about how he does it. And he'll have an exercise video. And he'll have a food book. I mean, this Fernando Alonso is going to be everywhere all over the world on store shelves near you. There you go. Now we come to Logan Sargent. Very good debut for first full-time American racer in Formula One since Scott Speed. But in between, Alexander Rossi also did a few races with Marussia. He finished 12th. Not bad, considering there was only one driver between him and his teammate Alex Albon, who collected the final point from 10th place finish. Very importantly for a young 
debutante in Formula One, Sargent did not do anything stupid like becoming a moving chicane for race leader or speeding in the pit lane or as Dennis Hopper would say in Easy Rider, parading without a permit, which can get you in big trouble down in New Orleans. And now we come to your hombre, your compadre, Esteban Ocon gets the Maldonado Award. First doing a physical on the grid, then speeding in the pit lane, and so on and on, and team also screwed up on something. But I love his argument that he has done this before in F3 and F1. Why penalize now? Have you ever seen anything uh, like this before? I, you know, I have not. Complete disregard for the rules. And I don't know, but I think Fernando made a good move leaving Alpine. I think they're a mess. I think they're mismanaged. These two drivers are already having issues. I guarantee it. And this whole thing is going to turn into a big pot of bouillabaisse. Yeah, his teammate Pierre Gasly did a very good job coming from the back, so that was pretty impressive. But it's just one race, 22 to go, so a lot of uh, time for people to screw up more, do more machismo drives, and win more races. Um, I, I just have a feeling Max is going to... Uh, three in a row is, is not even a question now. It's just a matter of if he can win more than 15 races, which he did last year, and I think he just might do it. Okay, Mr. Rogers, now we come to Motorsports Mantra. McLaren, they have become Mrs. Fletcher of Formula One. I've fallen, and I can't get up! It is sad to see them in such a dire strait. This is the team that was once headed by American lawyer Teddy Mayer and won championships with Emerson Fittipaldi and James Hunt. Then came Project 4 of Mr. Ron Dennis, or as Kimi would say, Project Control Freak. Wheeling and dealing by Ron brought Porsche into Formula 1, which led to championship success for Niki Lauda and Alain Prost. Then he led the team to unbelievable success and intense rivalry by turning Japanese and bringing Honda engines from Williams. In 1988, they almost had the immaculate season, winning all but one race, Monza 1988. Both Prost and Senna enjoyed championship success. Later, there were more back-to-back -back titles with Mika Hakkinen. And then came the sensational, deleted from hostess memory bang, the 2007 season featuring Machismo against a rookie, need I say more. In recent history, they have gone from Peugeot to Renault, back to Honda and Mercedes engines, and all these varieties of power plants have not been able to put a driver on top step of the podium in a decade, apart from the experiment that did not work out, Danny Rick at Monza a few years ago. What will they do? One bright hope is Honda signing up as an engine manufacturer for 2026 season, so their intentions are serious and they have a winning GP2 engine at the moment. What they don't have is a team and there are not many options left out there. Misery loves company, that is McLaren and Williams. Both of them used to be powered by Honda once upon a time. McLaren is even approaching Red Bull for power based on published reports. Let's hope the season gets better for them and soon they can turn the page and write winning stories. 
your thoughts on the weekend they have? Well, I think they have bigger problems than the power unit. Uh, the engine is a Mercedes, the same one that was in the Aston Martin that Fernando had. They have bigger problems, and they have design issues. They have engineering issues. They have aerodynamic issues. They have managerial issues. Zach Brown needs to get that house in order, or he's going to be gone. And they're going to lose Norris. Norris isn't... I mean, everybody knows this guy's talented. Red Bull has got their eye on Norris, and Norris really is hiding a lot of his frustration. He wants to be a winner, and he knows it has to happen soon because if it doesn't, then you start fading away, just like an old soldier. So we've seen that with so many drivers, and it's very interesting, but I think McLaren's got some big issues, and they're spread out so thin. They just have to sell their facilities for money, and then they lease it now. They've sold off vintage McLarens. I know they have a lot of sponsorship, but they need a Ron Dennis-like dude soon, and that's my, that's my story. They have so many sponsored stickers on the car. Looks like the car is now overweight because of all that sponsorship uh, decals. There. But I think their problem is, like you said, far bigger than the engine. Because, you know, when they went from Honda to Renault, it made no difference. So uh, maybe they need... They brought this guy, James Key, who was very highly touted when he was at uh, Toro Rosso as the, uh, you know, whippersnapper or designer. I don't know what the issue is. And, of course, you know, Williams is the same thing. And down in the boondogs for season after season. Okay, sir, final analysis. In musical terms, Machismo is feeling like Will Ferrell. I am so happy while his ex-teammate Lewis Hamilton is on the Gary Moore program. Still got the blues for you. At the front, the beat goes on for yours, the boss's little wonder performing and living up to his name. Get the max. You may ask what about the prancing horses? Well, in terms of heritage, they are the top notch of motor racing world. But in round one, they did not deliver much to talk about. But there is hope. 22 more races to go, which is more than three times the races in the inaugural Formula One season in 1950. Any last words you might want to say, Mr. Rogers, about the race before we move on to Bahrain Grand Prix Factual? Well, it was an exciting race. Of course, Fernando was a big part of that race. I mean, Max's job and performance was awesome, but I mean, he was at the front of the field. The camera didn't really need to follow him, and they did a great job covering the passing that Fernando was doing. I mean, the dicing, all of it. It was just a memorable Fernando moment for everybody. He will be the talk of the town coming into Jeddah. And that's going to be exciting because now the pressure's on. We need to see this performance at every race for him to challenge all the time as we watch what Mercedes change really quickly to get back into the thick of it. So I'm pumped up and I'm very thirsty. So Nasser, why don't we take a quick break? And we'll be back after these brief messages. 
Okay, folks, I'm here at Daytona with a rising superstar of Formula One soon, Mr. Lando Norris. Lando, good to see you again. How the heck are you? <laughs> I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Very good, thank you. I have to say, welcome to the colonies. What is your first impression of Daytona International Speedway and the American racing scene? Uh, it's pretty cool. It's very different to the UK and Europe. Um, it's a whole different experience to come out to America for the first time ever. In a different car, a different team, new track. So it's a uh, yeah, new experience, but at the same time, I think it's one of the best places to, to come. So, um, yeah. Now, when you say big difference in European racing scene, what is the first difference you notice? Well, I don't think it's just the track. I think the whole experience out here in America. I don't know. It seems more, much more relaxed than Europe. And, of course, just coming to Daytona, it's an oval. I've never been to an oval track before. Um, actually, I have. Rockingham. I've been to Rockingham, so... Um, but none where they, they, you know, they currently race. So, uh, there's quite a few things which, which make it very different to, to the UK. Um, but I think it's, it's cool for that reason. Great. Now, winning is always the goal for any racing driver. What is the objective here at Daytona in the 24 hour race? Um, I'm not too sure. I think, I mean, yeah, I would love to win or be on the podium at least. Of course, you only really come to Daytona to win. But um, at the same time, we've we've struggled quite a bit with the car this weekend uh, and the whole of the raw test. So we're not in very good shape for the race in terms of car-wise. The balance and everything is uh, nowhere near where we need it to be. We yeah, we've we've struggled a lot and um, we've found it very hard to progress and make any progress with uh, the car balance. Um, we've basically tried everything and it's not really worked so it's kind of changed our expectations of where we we think we can be basically but in the end of the race it's it's always hard to say i think daytona because you know you have all the safety cars all the way around so you could be four laps down and still win the race and uh, yeah it's basically you know trying to survive until the final safety car when everyone can be on the on the lead lap again and uh, it's basically a sprint race from from then to the end so uh, yeah, it's different, but I think you can only really tell in, you know, hour 22, hour 23, who's in contention for, for the win. Welcome back to F1Weekly.com. Clark Rogers here, your host. In now, as we spin the globe and go around the world with Motorsports Mondial and the king, the sultan himself, Nasser Hamid. Thank you, sir. And the first stop today is just 20 minutes from my casa in Tampa, FLA, and that would be St. Petersburg. I was there over the weekend. As always, great event, uh, great weather, great motor racing. And we would like to present a chat I had with Lockie Hughes. He's one of the very best young talents racing in American Junior Series. We interviewed him last year and he won his championship and he is starting the season again on a winning note and I have very good feelings that this kid is going to become a big name in IndyCar racing just like his fellow Aussie Will Power or Castro Neves or people who have done very well. So my thanks to him for his time. Uh, please enjoy the conversation with Lockie Hughes. Okay, folks, I'm here with a young man from Land Down Under who is going up and up in his racing life. 
Lucky Hughes, mate, you are a winning machine. You are number one in race number one of new series. You're making winning look easy. How you do that? Um, oh, definitely not making it look easy. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, I just get in and just drive as fast as I can. Uh, it's a great start to the year, winning the race, getting pole position. Can't ask for any more than that, especially. Um, starting a new championship uh, and I'm a rookie in this championship never driven a street circuit so it's all it's all a bit new to me so sounds like more the driver than the car <laughs> no I got a it's big credit to everyone at Jay Howard driver development the car's been awesome this weekend now with all the winning you are doing for Jay Howard racing since last year I hope he's putting an extra shrimp on the barbie for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, he hasn't offered a barbecue yet, so uh, maybe I should uh, make him that offer. Absolutely. Okay, your 2022 US Formula 4 Championship comes with a lot of goodies, including being guest of Haas F1 team at the Miami Grand Prix. Are you looking forward to a nice family-friendly conversation with Gunther Steiner, the way he talks? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it'd be cool, pretty cool to meet him. Um, I'm very excited, obviously, to go to the Miami Grand Prix as a guest of Haas. Uh, it's a pretty cool uh, prize, part of the winning the F4 championship. So it'll, it'll just be cool to be there, mingle, um, hopefully, yeah, meet a few people from Haas and uh, maybe uh, try to talk to some of their sponsors. <laughs> Good idea. And uh, were you there last year for the Miami Grand Prix? No, no. My, it was too expensive for me to go. <laughs> I made that mistake, and but it was out of control. You're going to love it. Okay, the prize for winning the uh, U.S. Formula 4 also includes a paid season in Formula Regional U.S. Are you doing two series this season? No, we're just concentrating on the USF 2000. And what's the reason not doing that one? Uh, just put full focus uh, towards uh, this championship because, uh, you know, the USF Pro Series is uh, the way to get to IndyCar. So, uh, you know, that's where, my, um, that's where I want to be focusing. Yeah. I think you made the right choice, so good mind and good driving channel. That's very good. Okay, Road America and Austin are two great racing tracks in this country. Which one is more demanding and thrilling for a racing driver? Oh, definitely Road America. Um, Austin, uh, Coda? Yeah. Yeah, Coda's just, well, in the F4 car last year, the straights are just too long. Um, there's not that many high-speed sections. Uh, Road America is just—it's one of my favorite circuits. Um, it's just got a—it's just—it's just fun. You got some high-speed stuff through turn one, a lot of big braking zones, uh, and yeah, it's just old school. It's bumpy. It's cool. Would you agree that Austin has better stakes and onion rings than Wisconsin? I'm—I'm—I'm <laughs> I'm sh I'm sure you're right there. I. Uh, I haven't been around enough to, to try it all, but uh, you're probably right. Okay, cool. Now, uh, after winning the championship last year and in this series now, how big is the jump in power and performance of new machinery? Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a jump from F4 to USF. Uh, it's not that big in terms of straight line speed, but just just the way uh, you carry speed, the way you hit the brake pedal, um, obviously different tyre compound. So it's uh, it, it does take a little bit of getting used to, but uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's got four wheels and a steering wheel.
Okay, after pre-season testing and this weekend, are you totally comfortable with your new ride? Or do you need more time? After you won, after you won the opening race, I guess I shouldn't be asking this question. Ah, just uh, always doing more laps is a good thing. But uh, yeah, I've been uh, reason reasonably comfortable since the day I got in it. Okay. And who do you see as your main challengers for the championship? And did any of the drivers you raced last year against have also moved into this series? Uh, I, I don't think so. No one's really uh, moved up uh, to USF from F4 this year. Um, I mean, at the moment, everyone's a championship contender. So there's a lot. Like everyone in USF is quick. So it's it's hard to it's hard to choose. Okay. Um, I'm guessing you have not done any oval racing in the United States. Um, how many laps you think you will need to get up to speed and feel comfortable when you go to an oval track? Uh, yeah, I've never driven an oval, so I can't really answer that. But I'll definitely need a full day of testing there, just build up to it. Um, I've heard ovals are actually tougher than uh, normal road courses, so considering they only really have two corners um, it's just obviously very close and you have to be very precise with all your inputs so uh, so yeah probably a day in the car will be very useful there when you go to a new street circuit not a no, I'm sorry not a street circuit but like a road circuit Cota Road America how long it takes to get used to that um, a normal circuit yeah it can depend on the circuit sometimes they just really suit you and you can pick it up in like five laps and then sometimes you know it's a bit more difficult and it just doesn't you don't gel with it and it can take a bit longer but generally I've been pretty good at picking up tracks within a session now your association with Jay Howard goes back to days you were in karting uh, when you made the switch this year did you consider looking at driving for some other team or this is your home uh no this this is my home i love uh racing for jay and uh everyone who works here so um no i don't want to go anywhere good now you know you remind me the career path of your fellow aussie mate oscar piastri you know he won formula renault euro cup uh, formula three formula two and you're on a similar path here and oscar is making his formula one debut this weekend how do you think he will do season long against Lando Norris? Uh, not sure. Obviously, Oscar's a very good driver. I uh, raced him a little bit. Um, not actually that much back home in Australia. We raced together more in Europe because um, he's a little bit older than I am. Uh, but no, Oscar's a really good guy, really good driver. So, you know, I hope I can... Uh, you know, do the same thing he did and <laughs> win every championship to the top. But uh, yeah, I think he'll do really well this year. You know, he's he's you know, a very quick driver. But obviously, Lando's got a lot of experience. So you know, I'm sure as long as he's you know just there this year, you know, come year two and stuff, he's he's yeah gonna be uh, fine. Another of your Aussie mate, Daniel Ricciardo, made a big impact, tremendous racing talent. I'm curious, what is the Australian motorsports media saying about what happened to him at McLaren? To who, sorry? To Daniel Ricciardo. What is the take on the Australian motorsports media as to why he could not make it happen there? Obviously, the talent is there. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't really know, to be honest. I, uh, I think he just, you know... 
a bit burnt out, so many years doing the same thing. Um, the car, I don't think, quite suited uh, driving style, so there's a number of factors. Uh, obviously, yeah, Daniel is a great uh, talent, he just needs uh, the right car. Now, let me ask you a question. Obviously, apart from the sponsorship issue, which is always important, some people jump uh, series like Max Verstappen did, karting to Formula 3 and Formula 2. You are a tremendous talent. Uh, what do you want to do next year? Do you want to jump into Indy Lights or you want to go to the U.S. Pro 2000 first? Uh, uh, USF Pro 2000, uh, most likely. I, I, I hope so. Um, obviously, racing just comes down to budget. Uh, so, you know, I just hope we can race USF two, uh, USF Pro 2000 next year. That would be great. <laughs> well, I'm a big fan of your talent, and I wish you all the best, and I'm fairly confident you will make it to IndyCar Racing soon. The question is, if you have a choice, win the Indy 500 or the IndyCar Championship? I think you told me this last time. I may have asked you this last yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a that's a tough question. Ideally, you'd want to win both of them multiple times. Um, but uh, uh, it's, it's tough. Obviously, championship is nice because you can't luck into a championship. You can luck into an Indy 500. So I, I think I would take a championship. Okay. Okay, I appreciate that. Okay, anything you want to tell our listeners about yourself, about your interest, and Lockie Hughes outside the race car and racetrack, and what kind of music you like, or what kind of food you like? Uh, yeah, outside the racetrack, I'm just a normal guy, really. I, uh, I love uh, music. Um, ideally, I love like 80s, 90s rock, um, 80s, 90s, 2000s rock. Uh, you know, I love. Uh, Are you a fan of In Excess? I do like In Excess, yeah, yeah. obviously. Big Australian brand, uh, band, um, you know, Coldplay, U2, you name it. I like it. Uh, you know, I just love going to the movies with my mates and just, I like getting outdoors a lot of the time. Um, from Australia, so we can constantly go to the beach, be on the water. Um, and I do a lot of things you can't do uh, where, where I live in Indianapolis. So, uh, yeah, I just I'm just a normal guy, really. Okay. Thank you so much, and I wish you all the best. No worries. Thank you. Lockie, thanks for joining F1Weekly.com. Okay, Mr. Rogers, we shall continue with some Bahrain Grand Prix Factoire as we continue with Major Sport Mondial. The uh, lap record here is 131.447 set by Pedro de la Rosa in 2005 for McLaren. Most wins, your favorite driver after Nando, Lewis Hamilton, five. First race in Bahrain was 2004, which was the season opener back then and won by Michael Schumacher in his Ferrari. This was the first F1 championship race in the Arab world since the 1958 season finale in Casablanca. Here's looking at you, Mr. Mike Hawthorne. Since then, three other Ferrari drivers have won in Bahrain. Felipe Massa, the new... Oh, by the way, I have also promoted Machismo to Super Machismo, like a Super Burrito. So Super Machismo, a.k.a. Fernando Alonso in 2010, in his first race for the Prancing Horse. And if I'm not mistaken, this is his first podium in Bahrain since then. And also the other Ferrari winner here is Sebastian Federer. 
And this is the first time Max has won season opener, so good for him. Okay, sir, there was other action also, Formula 2 and Formula 3 in Bahrain. In Formula 2, Saturday's sprint race was won by Swiss driver Ralph Boschung. Red Bull Jr. from Norway, Dennis Hogger was second. Impressive debut in third place for last year's F3 champion and your fellow Francais, Mr. Victor Martin. Sunday's feature race was won by young French driver Theo Pourcher. He is very talented, just like Liam Lawson from New Zealand, and in his third year of F2 series, and is member of the Sauber Driver Academy. Boshung was second, with boy from Barbados, Zane Maloney, in third. You know, this kid from Barbados, Zane Maloney, last year in Formula 3, in the second half, he was on fire, and he has now started Formula 2 on a podium finish, so that's very, very impressive. Theo Pourcher leads the championship with 32 points, four ahead of second place, Borsheim. Formula 3, race 1 on Saturday was won by Josef Marti. Now, interesting thing about him is management services provided by newly titled Super Machismo. And he has another kid uh, who I think is from Bulgaria, uh, who is also very talented, and we will do a little review on this kid soon. Okay, second was from Argentina, Senor Franco Colapinto. And he is Argentina's best uh, bet to get a qualified Grand Prix driver since Carlos Reutemann. Now, Miss Sofia Flores of Flor, uh, Florline Sofia Flores, who was recently and proudly announced as member of Al Alpine Driver Development, was a solid 22nd. That's the way you do it. Money for nothing, racing for free. Second Formula 3 race on Sunday was won by Gabriel Bortoletto. He leads the championship with 25 points, two ahead of second place Oliver Goethe. Sebastian Montoya was ninth. Now, sir, we come back to St. Pete, IndyCar season opener. Winner was Marcus Ericsson late in the race, driving the Honda-powered Dallara of Chip Ganassi team. He took the lead when there was an engine hiccup on the Dallara uh, Chevy McLaren of Pato Ward, the Mexican kid who is very, very quick. So Pato finished second, and Scott Dixon, the old man of the sea in IndyCar racing, he was third, and he also drives for uh, Chip Ganassi, and he has won a lot of, lot of uh, championship in this country. Good for him. Now we come to Indy Next, which is the new name for Indy Lights. The season opener was won by a driver from Singapore, Daniel Frost. Louis Foster, a young chap from England, started his first ever race in the series from pole position. He led the early goings, but then hit the wall of voodoo and his race was done. But keep an eye on this kid in the series. Last year he won the Indy Pro Series in his first year of racing in the US. So very impressive. Next, we go all the way to close to Bali, a place called Mandalika in Indonesia, World Superbikes. Turkish delight in qualifying as Toprak Razgat Lioglu, I think that's the name, took pole position on his Yamaha. In the race, he had to settle for second, as Spaniard Alvaro Bautista took victory on a Ducati. And also, sir, something caught my attention here in St. Petersburg. 
St. Petersburg. That is the series called U.S. Formula 2000. One of the races won by 14-year-old Nikita Johnson. So that is very, very impressive. Okay, sir, now we come to ABBA moment. Yes, sir, money makes the world and Formula One go around. Last year, Formula One's top line increased by 20% from $2.1 billion in 2021 to $2.5 billion last year. The sport's bottom line improved by a healthy 160% with operating income gro growing from $92 million in 2021 to $239 million in 2022. Primary revenue is obviously coming from uh, race promotion revenue, media rights fees, and sponsorship fees, and that also grew 14% from $1.8 billion to $2.1 billion. Very, very impressive. And Formula One paid out 8% more money to the sports 10 teams, with payments increasing from $1.06 billion in 2021 to $1.15 billion in 2022. So these teams are earning over a billion dollars and they still want to bitch and moan about uh, Michael Andretti joining the team. How sad and pathetic is that? But as they say on Wall Street, greed only grows. And sir, finally we come to Musical Mondial. And sir, this should be of interest because you have a very deep interest in the series. We've seen a lot in NASCAR. But we now have a new cat meow track record. At the recent NASCAR race in Fontana, California, <laughs> oh boy, a black, a black cat took on the track while the race was on. We've seen a dog at uh, GP2 race in Istanbul, so we shouldn't um, laugh at the cat in NASCAR racing. But we've seen caution for a hot dog wrapper. We've seen stolen pace car on the track. But a dead, dead cat is another first for NASCAR. And on that sad note, we have to invite Mr. Brian Setzer to the Palatial Studios. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy. Get my dinner from a garbage can.